0: Welcome to Invest in Yourself, the Digital Entrepreneur Podcast. Join the podcast mogul Phil Better as he interviews successful entrepreneurs that make their living in the digital world. Now, let's join your host, Phil Better, and his special guest today on Invest in Yourself, the Digital Entrepreneur Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Invest in Yourself, the Digital Entrepreneur Podcast. I am, of course, your host with the most, Phil Better, the podcast mogul. And today's guest, after 20 years in corporate America, during the pandemic, they pivoted so that they could help more executive women change their way of life and choosing to grow in a different career path. Today, I'm very happy to have Janine Bluffen. (sighs) I I should have asked you before. I always forget to ask. Uh, My guest is...
1: It's Jenny Blumenthal. (laughs) Jenny
0: Blumenthal from Corporate Rehab. Jenny, thank you so much for being here.
1: Thanks, Val. I appreciate you having me on.
0: We went through the whole thing beforehand, and the one question I keep forgetting is how to pronounce the last names. My God, I'm so sorry for horribly butchering. I'm the same way. I have a French last name, so better isn't my last name, as my listeners know. It's Lemire, but uh, it's a hard name for some Anglophones to say, so I changed it to better, so I apologize. But, I mean, thank you so much for being here today.
1: Thanks for having me. I'm excited for this conversation.
0: So... You started in corporate America helping Fortune 500 companies with their growth strategy, dealing with the digital world because we're now in a digital age. And then you decide when the world shut down to be like, "Mm, not for me anymore. I'm going to decide to try something completely new.
1: Yep. That's about it. Um, yeah. Why?
0: (laughs) What what was the why behind deciding to go from a secure job or the safety that most of us grow up with working for multi big companies to flying on your own, flying it solo?
1: I think that's actually, in your question lies the answer. Um, Part of the reason I stayed so long was the security, the financial security, and knowing that if I just hustled harder and pushed myself more, I'd get to that next level. Um, And when I got there and actually achieved all the things I had set out to achieve, I felt pretty empty inside. And it didn't fill me up the way I had hoped it would. And so for me, it was a moment of saying, uh, in the pandemic, there was a couple of things that happened where... Uh, our, uh, next door neighbor, unfortunately passed away early on and we passed his car and it was still strewn with papers and half drunk water bottles. And I was thinking, boy, if that's me tomorrow, like, am am I happy with this trade-off that I'm making of working, you know, 14 hours a day and not getting to see my kids grow up. Um, I loved a lot of the work that I did. I was really proud of my team. Um, but I got to a point in the middle of the pandemic when everything shut down And I had an opportunity to get really quiet inside and say, is this still actually lighting me up? Is this still what I want to be doing with my life? Um, And the answer, unfortunately for me at that point was no. And so uh, it really pushed me to to challenge myself to look at the way I was living my life, the things that I was spending my time on, and decide whether they were someone else's dreams that I was living out or were they my own. Um, And that's really what pushed me off uh, into, into entrepreneurship. At that point, I was actually experiencing extreme burnout. I didn't really understand it at the time because at 2019 and 2020, we didn't have those words. And so I was on three planes a week. I was running a $300 million business unit. I was, you know, managing 300 people and I thought I was doing all the things I had set out to do, but there was this, this uh, lack of fulfillment that kind of kept uh, speaking to me in different ways of, I don't think this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And it really took the world getting quiet to um, decide to make that pivot. And so now I get to help leaders thrive and I'm really excited about it.
0: I love that. I love how you, you, you mentioned the world getting quiet. And I think with the advent of the digital age, we're getting hit with so much. So it's harder to find those moments of re- reprieve. I kind of want to go back to when you started in corporate world, was, was it always your dream to be in the corporate world where you're, or where you're like, oh, this is just a temporary until I can, you know, I get some finances and I can start my own thing. And then the dream got lost or was it always the goal kind of to be in corporate?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. I don't think I thought of it as industries. Um, I thought of it as, you know, I want to help people. I knew I wanted to help people and I wasn't sure how. I started in nonprofit consulting, actually. Went back and got my MBA and then landed back in consulting because I loved the variety of the problems I got to solve. I loved turning chaos into order. Um, And so that was really exciting for me to have all of these new problems to solve and people that couldn't work out something. And I'd come in and help them get to an answer. And I really enjoyed that. And I didn't really care uh, what industry it was in. So I worked across nonprofit, government, telecom, hospitality, corporate, all kinds of different um, segments of the industry, as long as I was really feeling like I was making progress in terms of helping other people. Um, I think what shifted for me was, um, actually you asked about whether it was always a dream. Um, it was not a dream to work for myself. Um, I, didn't, I didn't bet on myself. I figured there's so much I don't know yet. Let me just keep going to the next role, and the next rung. And this person knows so much more about this. This person knows so much more about that. And um, and I failed to see that I was gaining so much wisdom and skill sets and expertise along the way that I could have gone into work by myself. I just didn't believe it. Um, and I, I didn't really believe I had that choice and that I could make that change. Um, and I think where things started to shift for me was as I got into more and more leadership positions, then I had a whole group of women coming behind me who were saying, you know, we, we look up to you so much for your career and you have a husband who works and you've got two kids and you're not a jerk. We want to, <laughs> you know, and so then it felt like I couldn't leave because I, I didn't want to let them down. Um, I also had a number of people around me and and within me that would say, well, if you leave, it's just going to look like you can't hack it. And I don't want to look like I'm failing and stepping away and I couldn't take it. So therefore, I crumbled kind of thing. Then um, there were outright, like that quote said to me directly. And then there were <laughs> voices in myself saying, you know, I, I have to stick stick with this path. And so for me, it was more um, getting to a point where. Um, I always said I wouldn't do it for the money. And by the time I was getting ready to leave, um, it that was pretty much the the main thing that was keeping me there. And I thought, well, that's kind of interesting. Here I said I would never do this for the paycheck. And yet I don't feel fulfilled. I feel burned out. I don't feel like I'm actually changing the world here. I'm, I'm making a lot of people a lot of money. Um, <laughs> but I don't know that that's really helping people the way I thought I might. Um, and walking by my neighbor's car and seeing that scene was kind of a if not now then when um moment for me so that's really you know how how that transitioned, how that dream changed over time
0: I love it I, I love how you realize that you you said you would never do it for the money and then all of a sudden you find yourself doing it for the money and that you're, you're like that's not it that's not why I started this world I wanted to get into helping people so you pivoted um how was the pivot? Was it something you found difficult? Because obviously going from a very structured kind of world uh, that is corporate um, mm-hmm. and being an employee, right, a manager, but still an employee, then going off and starting your own thing and having no structure.
1: Yes, that's a big adjustment for sure. Um, well, my own personal story is, has one little chapter in the middle where when I left and I was so burned out. I first needed to heal. And so Mm -hmm. I spent about six months doing my own healing of like, why did I stay in a situation where I thought I couldn't leave? And why did I get to this point where I was staying only for the money? At what point did I fall out of love with my job? And at what point did I you know make these trade-offs and how exactly that happened? And so I started to do research and read as much as I could and listen to podcasts and everything from leadership and how that's evolving to the neuroscience of leadership, to attachment for family dynamics, to the, you know, the actual mind and body connection. And I found out so many things about our emotional, mental, social wellness that's all connected. Um, That's so different from the way that we teach kids or we, we get taught in the educational system that you use your mind and you work hard and you're one person at work and then you can be a separate person at home. I think the pandemic really, you know, helped us look at look past that and realize there's different ways to lead um, in a more holistic way that allows you to bring all parts of yourself to the table. And so during that whole process, I had other people asking me, oh my gosh, you were at the top of your career. Why'd you leave? What are you doing now? And I jokingly said, I'm I'm going through my own corporate rehab because I'm trying to detox from all of the things I was just exposed to and this hustle that we're in. Um, and the name kind of stuck. And so people would say, well, tell me, give me your cheat sheet of what you're doing or tell me which you know, book to read. Um, and at that point, I had read 50 books and listened to it and it was too overwhelming to just send them the list. So I started like any good consultant to build my own framework of like the process that I went through. So I could share it with other people that were really hurting and and really hooked on what the hustle culture is, is really what I found was running at the bottom of it. Um, And that's really what gave birth to the company. Um, So I didn't really mean to pivot and go straight into entrepreneurship. Um, In fact, if the world had been open at that time and I didn't have two kids doing school at the kitchen table, maybe I would have just vaulted into the next thing and not done the same healing work. But pausing and having that time to kind of go within and and look at what kept me stuck and what part of that was me and my own mindsets and patterns, what part of that was the environment I was in um, really gave rise to this company that really focuses on helping leaders thrive. Um, And I just wrote my first book, which is exciting, documenting the process um, and interviewing 300 other executive women who've gone through similar processes in the midst of burnout. And some are staying in corporate America. Some are starting their own companies, um, and it just helps to bring, I think, shed a light on the different paths people take to find more purpose in the things that they're doing.
0: I love it. I love how a global, nearly a global catastrophe, if you will, because mm-hmm. we're still feeling the ramifications, was able to help you change not only your life, but able to help future people change their life.
1: Yeah.
0: It's amazing. I love. I love what, as much as the pandemic has hurt the world, it is also, I think, f- it's healing it yes, from all, right. all the bad. Not not necessarily all the bad, but all the maybe the improper ways we're thinking and forcing ourselves when we should really just take a moment and rest.
1: Yeah, every once that's in a while, so true. When you think about it too, like there, you know, the I'm a history major undergrad, so I always thought that was <laughs> funny in business. Like, where where is this going to serve me? But it does. Um, you know, when you think about writing, the you know, and and where we've been before. The plague preceded the Renaissance, you know, we went through this, people went through this amazing experience of art and literature and all these things, but not before they went through this global pandemic that stopped everybody in their tracks and, you know, obviously wiped out a considerable part of the population, which is not great, um, but really made people rethink the way they do everything. And that we think about all the inventions that came in that period right after. It gives me a lot of hope that we're in a position now where we can rethink the future of work. We can rethink what we want to value in leaders. We can rethink how we structure careers and do different career paths. We can think about what it would mean to be an entrepreneur, whether you have portfolio careers. I think there's just so much more that's open to us um, if we can keep that open posture and, and welcome in all of these different ways of thinking.
0: I, I think we are. I think maybe not immediately in the next like five to 10 years, but I feel that because of the pandemic putting a hold on the way of life as right. it was behind the generations behind us, so maybe not the millennials, we're a little too late, unfortunately, right. but I think Gen Z and alphas and those coming that actually experienced the pandemic realize we don't have to. rushy rush rush because we did have a period of like nearly two years where the world slowed down to to nothing right so i think maybe in the next five to ten years we're going to start seeing more and more because we have people like you myself starting these businesses and showing others that hey you can start a business online and it doesn't take three hundred thousand dollars right Oh. the the world is so exciting. I I love, as a millennial, We've I've lived through many world events. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this one just seems like possibly the better one. Like, yes, it was horrible, but there's a much more brighter upside to it than the other, other ones that we faced.
1: Right. Yeah, I could definitely see that. So many people went through a great awakening of some sort that you're right. That I think that, you know, whether it was a career thing, whether it was something where they discovered a long lost hobby they put off for forever. I think that's another piece to it too. I, I spoke with so many people that said they finally had, whether it was bread making or <laughs> really thing. Uh, you yes. know, more people, um, you know, got back in touch with things that light them up. And I think that's a great thing.
0: Yeah. I, 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 we've lost that. I, we've lost the spark that helps us keep going. Cause we were always so focused on keeping up with the Joneses and that. Yes. Um, yes. I want to know um, in your 20 years, as a corporate, in the corporate world, as doing all these amazing things, and now being a uh, corporate rehabber, if you will, (laughs) for uh, helping former corporate uh, addicts uh, get out of it and change their life. Is there maybe a moment that you're like, wow, this, this is what I meant to do? Like, this is why I do what I do, be it helping companies or even helping individuals?
1: Yes. Um, in fact, I had one of those moments about two hours ago. So I'll talk about that. Yes. Um, where, um, so I mentioned, I just put this book out. And, you know, it was my first book. And so in the process of kind of trying to make sense of the mess, I just went through and sorted in my own head so I could give, you know, some insight to others who might be on similar paths. When you do something like that, you know, there's this uh, sense of all of this construction and creation and everything that you're doing and you put it out into the world and you hope other people understand what you were trying to say or that they connect with it or that it's helpful right.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And so when I launched the book, I got great feedback and, you know, we became a bestseller and very exciting things. And I'm thrilled with that. Um, But the pinnacle for me is getting these reach outs from women um, that I get almost every day of saying there's parts of the book that change the way I'm doing things. Um, I got goosebumps when I read this one story. The woman I just spoke to this morning said, "Um, I've I've already followed your content. So I knew what to expect, but the book changed my life. I am now starting my own LLC and going into business for myself and getting out of a a toxic workplace situation I'm in. And I can't thank you enough for giving me this, you know, roadmap of what to do. So it's those types of things, I think, that make me feel intensely purposeful um it's not you know a hundred million dollar digital transformation strategy that i'm (laughs) executing anymore which is what i used to do um but it feels so purposeful you know if if i i've often said this that if i could just give the book away and just help people learn the things that it took me 40 years to learn i would gladly make sure that the next generation has some of these insights you know in their inbox or in their hands to be able to avoid some of the same mistakes or maybe to go through some of the same situations and see them through a different lens. And so that to me is incredibly purposeful. The whole book is about how the hustle culture and our addiction to it as a society keeps us stuck in situations that aren't as good for us, um, but how to transition some of your own mindsets and patterns, plus realize what else is around you so that you're making these more intentional choices. And so When I hear from people who have said, I I actually did what you said, and here's what happened, and now I've got this great job, or whatever it is, or I've started my own company, it's incredibly rewarding.
0: Oh, those are, those, I'm so jealous. I can't wait to get some of those from my book, Uh, but yeah, that, that's amazing. I love hearing, like, when you get that positive feedback, it just, it just makes, one, it melts my heart, because it's like, wow, someone's actually doing what I said, (laughs) they actually trusted it, but- but also knowing that you're you're about to change someone's life, like their yeah. life is either going to get better, or it's just going to improve slightly.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: that's, right. those, that's the reason why it, was that the reason why you wrote the book, you wanted to give them like the blueprint so that they could have the amazing feeling that you had?
1: Yeah, I think, um, honestly, what it was for me was, I found that after being so successful in this corporate World And in one dimension of my life, I suddenly had done a lot of hard work, but, but was given the keys to like the secret of life on some level. i was (laughs) like, Oh shit, there's a lot more out of here than just climbing a corporate ladder. And, and I had the kids and the husband and the dog and all the things I wasn't, you know, Scrooge McDuck standing by myself in my mansion, (laughs) Um, I was doing all the things that were supposed to make me happy and I wasn't happy. And so it was this real stop and realization of like, wait a minute, maybe all of these scripts that I've been running on for so long about performance and achievement and, you know, and show up and act like the guys, maybe that's not really working out for me so much. And so I felt like I had been given this really unique gift where I'm learning all of the Brene Brown vulnerability insights and the compassion and Adam Grant psychology. But yet I've been inside the boardrooms of the Jeff Bezos' corporate world. I understand how it works and I know what needs to change. Um, and I also, I no longer benefit from it. So I'm in this really unique position where I don't have to measure what I say in quite the same way. If I would say, yeah, I see where the faults are, but I'm getting a big salary and I've got kids to put through college. So um so for me i was like whoa like you know first i was thinking well i'm not in a position to share this i'm not you know a big name and then i thought wait i'm in the exact same i'm in the exact right position i am the person who says this because i know exactly you know what's happening in those boardrooms but yet i have the freedom to call for a different way and for to tell people out there and executives that they don't have to live their lives this way and there's different things that choices they can make. And their story is highly personal to them in terms of what lights them up and gets them excited and what they want to spend their time on earth doing. Um, So for me, it felt like a gift that I couldn't keep to myself. Um, I, I couldn't possibly not share this with other people and watch what happens when they get to, you know be in charge of writing the next chapter of their own lives.
0: Oh God, that's awesome. (laughs)
1: thanks it's exciting for sure i i
0: I, I can only imagine i've i had the pleasure of talking with a couple other writers and authors yet i don't feel none of them have said it so elegantly like you Mm -hmm. you're you're this book is literally just to help one person like just here you go this is all my struggles but here this should help you and maybe we can change the way corporate corporate the corporate world is is run Right. Because it's yeah. it, like you said, it's focused too much on hustle, hustle, hustle and on the short term, I find and not the long right. term.
1: I think that's right. And I think that it, there goes it goes into so much. I mean, I think um, I wanted to get it right in the book, too, that it's not just calling for, you know, peace and rainbows. And that's the right way. to. I mean, I I, I understand. I understand balance sheets. I understand. <laughs> um, and the other piece that's very real is there's tons of people in those C-suites that have, you know, 300,000 employees to take care of, and those people have jobs and families to feed. And so they're, you know, they could be making these moves from a corporate stewardship place and saying, I have to drive us all so hard, because we have to grow in order for people to be able to feed them, you know, their families. So there's that piece, too, where people could be coming from a positive scenario, right? But I think the, the reality is, We're all only, um, you know, able to be as aware as we are healed, right? So if you're operating in a situation where you've made it to the CFO of this huge company and you're still running on an old script and an old story that says you're only as good as your last deal and you're only as good, maybe your dad will recognize what you do one day, you know, then you're going to keep pushing everybody as hard as you can because, there's going to be weakness and vulnerability. There's going to be, you know, um, some, um, some cracks in the facade if you show any lack of strength and power, right? So when you're in that position, it's really hard to see anything else. One great analogy I learned in this process is it's like looking through life through a toilet paper roll. All you see is that one slice of it and you have no access to the ways you could be leading with empathy and compassion and collaboration. And maybe we can get one plus one to equal three, if we're actually able to let our egos sit down for a little bit and not hustle so much, but actually create more innovation. So I'm really excited about what that means in the future of work to your point. I don't think it's next year. Um, it might actually be, be, even be 50 to a hundred years, you know, the Renaissance wasn't immediate either. That's true. Um, But I think there is this collective consciousness that was was really raised in the middle of the pandemic that people said, I can't live like this. I don't want to live like this. Um, And we're in a position where we can make this change. And part of the reason I wrote the book as what can one individual leader do is I feel like all of us in any leadership role, whether you're running your own company, whether you're part of a community, whether you're part of a household, you're part of a corporation you can impact the circle of influence around you and you have no idea you know, the power that that can be until you start changing your leadership style and watch what happens. Um, so I think there's, there's huge uh, potential for what we could rebuild um, and build into a Corporate America 3.0 um, if we all are able to come to terms with giving up a little bit of productivity in, in terms of um, you know, what we're hustling for in order to create more worth for everyone.
0: Oh, I think that is. I think that is needed. Just take a slight step back. Just relieve the pressure on that gas pedal, and because uh, everything's working, we don't need to hustle so hard. Because we have every all the systems are in place. It's time to renovate and innovate those systems so that they can be more productive without hurting the individual. Um, I would like to know a tip since you are in the job in the market of helping people go from. Mm-hmm one career and pivoting to the next. Something for someone who's looking to start their own business. If they're be it a digital or brick and mortar, they've been in the corporate world and they're like, no, I want to start doing my own thing. I don't want to be someone's boss. I want to be the boss. Do you have anything that could maybe help them out?
1: Sure. Um, I think the first thing is really thinking about what lights you up. Um, I've seen a lot of people get really focused on I'll do the market scanning and I'll just get involved in a business I don't really love, but it's where the market's headed. So I'll just jump on that bandwagon and and hope that I can ride it through, whether it's crypto or whatever the fad of the moment is, right? And there's nothing wrong inherently with that. But I think the challenge becomes um, entrepreneurship is every bit as hard as having it, if not harder than having a corporate job. And so you want something that's going to light you up, whether that's, you get to do the marketing part or as a function, uh, you get to do sales calls, whether that's just the topic that you love, you know, crypto or what have you. pick something that you can get excited about, because if you don't have excitement in the actual topic, or in the function that you're going to be doing, it's really hard to stay focused for the long term. So just do your own little self audit and say, what are the things that get me like, What can I not stop talking about? What could I, you know, I I dream about? What do I, even if it's not something that feels like it has a huge amount of revenue attached to it, I think is the first thing. And then as soon as you got, have that narrowed down, then thinking about all of the ways you could do that thing. So for example, if you find out in step number one that you love whales and saving whales, (laughs) But you live in Brooklyn, um, you know. It might be easy to just dismiss that and say, "No, no, no I got to get this thing where I'm gonna, you know, really make a ton of money and um, and get caught up in in the role and what the title would be and all of those things." But think about all the different ways you could do that. You could teach about whales. You could, you know, go find another co-founder and start a nonprofit. You could figure out what the technological advances are about the whale community and invest in those types of things. So. I know it's a, it's a silly example, but the point is so often we get so myopic about what it is that we do and what's the box I'm going to fill. And if I did this, then who would pick up the kids from daycare? We get so lost in the details. Just spend a little bit of time thinking about those things that light you up um and then be some, somewhat creative and imaginative about the different ways you could do that before you just launch straight into you know starting that business and i think the last piece i'd ask is once you've got that piece together ask yourself what's holding you back um and understanding whether it's a real or a perceived challenge um when i was leaving corporate america i interviewed so many women for this book and um So many women that are still there, when I'd ask them, you know, what's keeping you here, they'd say, well, I've got to feed my family. But these were people that were making way beyond what they needed to feed their family. But they were stuck, right, in this survival mentality that I'm only as good as this number next to my name, or I have to have this amount to feed my family, as opposed to, okay, why don't you do the math and think about what you actually need to feed your family, plus a little bit of a buffer, and then go look at what are the jobs that could give you that. Because what you're really saying is I like the identity that I have when I get to earn this amount of money. That if you're really honest with yourself, that's what's keeping you there, not being able to put food on the table. And so I think if you're if you can be honest with yourself about What do you really need to survive in terms of finances? What is really holding you back? You can then decide whether you want to set that belief aside um, or whether you need to put some more facts behind that belief um, uh, before you actually, you know, take a leap and move on.
0: Amazing advice. I'm speechless uh, from the advice because it is true. Because I think it's a big fear that people have that they'll lose the status. Yes. Because that's they've right. worked so hard to get to that, that right. point that if they leave, do they lose all the respect, all the things that they built up? So I, I love, I, oh, that's very and I
1: say And I say that, and I agree with you, and I say that without judgment because that was me too. Oh, yeah. So the minute I left, I got offered a job in my dream city, <laughs> dream hours, but it was a fourth of the salary, and I was so offended how dare they think I'm only worth that amount now looking back on it I'm like that was the exact job that would have given me what I said I wanted but I was still really focused on the part of my identity that was like but I'm worth this Well, yeah you're worth that at 80 hours a week so if you want, if you want to have
0: if you're doing 40 <laughs> it's going to be worth less <laughs>
1: Exactly. So I think there's some of that where it's it's easy to um, you know convince ourselves or not be honest with ourselves because we don't want to appear greedy or appear image conscious or all these other things. But that's atta- attaching judgment to that. Just you know, if you can maybe get give yourself a little bit of space to just understand what's happening and why you feel that way, um, and then just decide if you want to set that aside or or carry it still.
0: More gold from. The corporate rehabber herself, Um, Jenny, uh, Janine. I'm gonna. It's Jenny. It's Jenny. (laughs) I'm gonna read the the last question, then I'm gonna jump off and let you have uh, the little bit to let us know because we are running a little bit over, and I don't mind because it's an amazing conversation with multiple of gold, golden nuggets here. So the question from Spark today from Seek Discomfort is, Ooh. What have you dreamed of doing for a long time, and what's holding you back from doing oh,
1: it? Okay, that's an easy one, um, <laughs> an easy surprise question. I have dreamed about being a professional singer, like a country singer, for a long time, um, and my own fear has held me back. Um, so that's an easy one to do, and I'm aware that I have been <laughs> doing it. So if any of your listeners happen to be a country music star and would like for me to come sing, I would absolutely love to take you up on it, but I'm terrified to, uh, to make that leap.
0: I'll start putting out feelers. Um, <laughs> Cause I think you would, you'd, if you can go from corporate to corporate world and into a successful author um, and successful business owner in your own right, there is no doubt that you can crush it at singing. You may not become the next uh, Shania Twain. <laughs> But I'm guaranteed you can still at least put out an album and crush it um, and you'll have those support. So Jenny, I'm going to jump off the screen. I'm going to let you have the last little bit. Tell my audience where they can find you, how they can support you or or how they can get uh, get into corporate rehab.
1: Sure. Um, So the best place to go is my website, which is corporate-rehab.com. You can see all of the speaking opportunities to come and speak to your company um, or your women's network group. You can see the coaching packages that I have. You can get a copy of the book. Corporate Rehab, Ditch the Hustle, Culture, and Thrive Again. Um, And so it's all on the website, corporate-rehab.com. And I post regularly on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram, and a little bit on TikTok. So uh, all the links are there for you to follow along for more tips and tricks.
0: Thank you again, Jenny, for being on the show. I can't thank you enough for sharing your story and telling us how you invested in yourself to become uh, the corporate rehabber herself.
1: Thanks so much, Phil. I Appreciate you having
0: me. You're welcome to my audience. Of course, as you know, the links to support Jenny will be in the show notes down below. I highly suggest you pick up the book. It is a great book if you're looking to uh, take a take a different chance on your life. Um, I have mine; it's on its way. Um, I'm looking forward to reading it and also giving it to my sister because um, I think she should uh, <laughs> read it. But as always, uh, thank you again to Jenny for being on the show and to you, my audience. Remember to always. Invest in yourself.